0: So over the last few weeks, we've been covering the Lord's Prayer, right? We've seen through the Lord's Prayer a great deal about the character of God specifically. We've seen that for the children of God, He is a loving and caring Father. We've also seen God's omnipotence or His power and His might and His holiness as well as sovereignty and lordship as He's Bringing about His kingdom to every nook and cranny of this earth. Much of our application thus far has been focused on praying God-centered prayers that recognize who God is and focus our hearts towards His sheer awesomeness. That's what. That's how we pray. We come to God and we recognize who He is. Is this beautiful picture of our holy, sovereign, loving caring father in heaven and today we're going to see as jesus teaches us how to pray that not only do we just look up and focus but man that god also cares about our needs jesus turns now in the lord's prayer considering our own needs and that should remind us of this fact that we are creatures wholly dependent on the Creator for all things, so Jesus is going to teach us to pray prayers of necessity He's going to teach us to pray prayers of necessity uh, that only God can provide for so he's going to tell us to pray prayers of provision, prayers of pardon and prayers for prote- protection. so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew six nine thirteen. For those who are visiting, we we are reading and preaching from the Christian Standard Bible. So if it sounds a little different than yours, that's the translation we're using. So as you turn there, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the whole Lord's Prayer together, but we're going to focus specifically on verses 11 through 13. Here's what it says. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. So it's important that we understand that Jesus takes seriously both our physical and spiritual needs. This highlights our greatest problem, though. So anytime we approach a text, one of the things we're asking, it's funny because Steve and I just did this podcast on reading the Bible rightly, but one of the questions we're asking is, what does this text say about man and our fallen condition? And in our fallen nature, what I see from this scripture is that the thing that we're quick to forget is that we are created. Everybody say, I was created. Right, so if I'm created, I'm dependent on a creator, right? I am wholly reliant on the creator for all things. So the temptation and the sin that we must push back against with all our might is the lie of self-reliance. The enemy would have you depend on yourself or other created Things Instead of your creator, God. And this creator is intimately invested in his creation. Now, at, here we do not believe that God just created, kind of wound the clock and disappeared. And, it's, and letting it go. No, our God created and is intimately invested in his creation. You and me. So Jesus begins showing us this picture, combating this fallen condition by showing us how to pray for provision. Let me reread Matthew 11. It's going to take a long time. Here's what it says. Give us today our daily bread. Simple, right? But there's so much packed into these six little words. We've already established that for those who are praying this prayer, we are proclaiming that God is our Father and we are His children. That's why the text in verse 9 begins with Our Father who is in heaven. And so, as we approach verse 11, with Give us today our daily bread, what we are asking of our Father is a gift of provision. The words Give us are a request for a gift. So, what are we asking? For God to give us a full savings account? For him to give us a large and full 401k? Well, I wish. A new car, a new home? No, what Jesus is instructing us to ask for is our daily physical needs. Not the long game, but what's for today. As a father would feed and clothe his children... So we are asking God to provide for what we need for life each day, day in, day out. the word daily tells us this is an immediate need that we're asking for, right? It also communicates that our constant reliance day by day on our creator for provision. So this doesn't look to the future. It looks to the immediate present and declares this, God, I need you. I need you to provide for my physical needs today, right now, because I need you. So what does that picture look to? Does it look to yourself? No. It looks God to provide. Not for you. Exodus 16 gives us this awesome picture of kind of this, this event playing out in, in history, right? With the Israelites, So it's this story of the Israelites soon after leaving Egypt, right? Being rescued from slavery and bondage. And they're rescued and they're being led by God. And guess what happens? They start complaining and grumbling. You know why? Because they're remembering all the stuff they used to have. And all that meat. All that awesome jewelry we used to have. We had to leave everything and take off. Well, as they began to grumble, God heard them. And so he resolved to send bread from heaven. Manna, translated, what is it? That's like when you go to the cafeteria uh, as a kid and you get that mystery meal. You're like, what is this? But you still eat it and somehow it's good and really confuses you, right? This is kind of that kind of meal, right? This thing is for my need today. What is it? Not sure. Some sort of bread. I'm going to eat it anyway. And so, God sent bread from heaven that would sustain them each day for what they needed. Here's what it says in Exodus 16:16 16, 16 through 18 This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. And so the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot and some a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus. And the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. So what this text highlights or what this picture gives us is that they had exactly what they needed. Jesus cares for our physical needs and reminds us that God loves us. So go to him daily and ask for provision for this day and each day. And here's the here's the promise. He will always provide. You may say, what is it? Right. Like the Israelites. But provision is given to his children. A few years ago, I was uh, driving out to Waco to go to a VA appointment, which is which those things are always super fun, right? So I'm driving out to Waco, and I'm around Hewitt area on 35 going north, and all of a sudden this truck, boom, blows a tire, and this steel braided tire comes flinging in the air, right? Lands, and I run over that thing. Well, steel braided 18 18 wheeler tires don't really do good with a Chevy Malibu, right? And so, boom, boom, blew two tires and bent a rim, like the factory rim, which was a nice one, and those are not cheap. And so I pulled off the side of the road, and I was so upset, and I didn't even want to call my wife, Brittany, because she, she'd, been, she'd have been upset too. And so, of course, who do you call, right? Your mama, right? Because your mama's going to hear you gripe. you so all going to listen to you, right? So I call my mama, and I'm like, Mama! This thing happened to me, and it was awful. And, man, it's going to be expensive. And she said, well, Neil, do you have the money? And I said, well, yeah, Brittany and I have been saving. And uh, I think we'll have enough to take care of it. You know, I was on the phone with Discount. They're coming out to help me. Discount tire. And she said, Neil, God does not promise you a fat savings account. He promises to take care of your needs. Looks like you have what you need for today. It's like, dang, mom, hit me with that truth. That's what moms are good for, right? No, but it's true. man. sometimes we're so focused on um, saving and and this. And we should, right? We should do those, And we should be good stewards of what God gives us. But we must not forget that day by day you need him. You need to go to him and ask him to provide. That's what Jesus is saying. Because you don't know what today is going to give you, right? Anybody ever woke up and then the the world just... hits you in the face? Man, you need God to provide for this day. The next prayer of necessity that Jesus calls us to... Is to pray for pardon. We're going to spend a little time on this one. This prayer... Indicates our relationship with Christ. It is the greatest immediate spiritual need. That affects your vertical. Which is your relationship with God. And your horizontal relationships. Your relationships with one another. It affects these things the most. So Jesus calls us to pray for pardon. In verse 12 he says. And forgive us our debts. As we have also forgiven our debtors. I love what the CSB uses for the, the I love that the CSB uses the word debt here instead of trespasses, which many of us probably have memorized. Right. As we've memorized the Lord's prayer as children, well, the CSB uses the word debt and they get that from the Greek word Ophilema, which literally means this amount owed. See, what's important for us to understand is because of our sinning, because we all sin, right? It puts us in the wrong with God. So what we owe God based on that he is the creator of all things, like we need breath in our lungs to even live, right? And he gives us breath. He gives us air. What we owe him is full obedience, But what we give him is sin, which puts us in debt. Church, God is the only one who can cancel your debt. Nothing else. You cannot work for it. You cannot atone for it. You cannot go kill a million goats out there and do stuff with blood everywhere. That was graphic. I'm sorry. You can't do nothing to earn your forgiveness. You cannot do nothing to cancel your own debt. You need God to cancel your debt. Because we are indebted to him. And so Jesus puts this exclamation point on the gospel here in verse 12. Because our forgiveness is granted on the grounds of his finished work on the cross. And the conquering of sin and death in his resurrection. So how does God forgive us? He looks to the work that his son Has done for you and me. So with confidence. We can approach God. And bank on our forgiveness. Because Christ did the work. For us. And he's already atoned for your sin. And if you are following him. He has already changed your heart. He has taken that heart of stone. And taken it out. And put in a heart of flesh. He's changed the very makeup. Of what's inside of you. That's been hardened by sin. All of this forgiveness is based on what he has done. And so here we come to the second part of verse 12. Which says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is where many come up with misunderstanding. Many would read this and explain the text this way. That we are forgiven when we forgive others. No, that's wrong. We are forgiven when we put our faith in Jesus and repent or turn from our sins and seek him. This is where forgiveness is found on the cross. And what Jesus is pointing out here is that the evidence of a changed heart, the evidence of a changed heart, the evidence of a child of God is someone who forgives others because they have been forgiven. That forgiveness in your heart in your life releases you to forgive other people who, who may have done some some craziness against you and this is so important that we understand that we understand the concept of forgiveness because many of you who are in here today have been hurt. By individuals who would do evil against you. Many of us carry that on our backs. I want to point out though. A few things about forgiveness. If you're this person who's been hurt. And I want to start with what the fruit of unforgiveness is. I've heard it said this way at my friends in Mighty Oaks uh, Warrior Program's. They say unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like it kills us. What does it produce in us? It produces bitterness and resentment and bondage, slavery. And what God desires for you, church, is to be free, not to be in chains. To be free of these things he desires for us. Is to trust him. And Jesus spent the first half of the Lord's prayer. Covering the character of God. So we must not forget. That he is just. And he is holy. And that he loves you. And there comes this point. In every person's life. Where we must make a decision. If we've been sinned against like this. Where we have to say. I trust him in your justice god because it will be perfect every time i'm making this predecision to trust you and who you are who you say you are and the result will be that you are no longer a slave to that sin or that person who wronged you anymore because that's what it comes down to, right? When we hold vengeance and anger and hatred towards those who have hurt us. We're giving them license to have control over us by hanging on to that. You may never have transactional forgiveness, right? Transactional forgiveness is like um, Jason here has sinned against me. And he's come to me because he's been, he's realized his sin. He's coming in, Neil, will you please forgive me? And I say, yes, I forgive you, Jason. A transaction was made. Does that make sense? We may never get that with some of the things we've experienced. But what we can have is a posture of forgiveness. And this is that person who makes the decision to trust God and to forgive the debtor, not the debt. The person, not the sin. And if you are the person who's committed sin against your brother or sister in this room, I want to encourage you to walk in light. Seek forgiveness. Our culture and the enemy would say to you that all you need to do is forgive yourself. I want to be really clear here. Forgiving yourself is a lie. It is a foreign picture To scripture. It's not true. Because you cannot forgive yourself. Because you're not God. God is the only holy being in the universe. And when we sin. We ultimately sin against him. That's why I planned this Psalm 51. Song and confession time of the same thing. You you probably have it memorized now. Against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. This was the cry of David who had just stolen a woman, murdered her husband or facilitated it. And this is his prayer to God. Yes, he sinned against others, right? But ultimately, every sin we ever commit is aimed as a rebellion against our creator, God, our father. And so, you cannot forgive yourself. And if you listen to that lie, if you hold on to that, you will remain in darkness. Until you seek forgiveness. You might say, well, Neil, that's hard. Jesus knows very well what he is calling us all to. Because he is the standard for us to follow. Here's The standard. Here's the picture of the standard. That Jesus lays out for us. In Luke 23, 34. Jesus on the cross cries out. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. That is our standard. To follow. That will bring freedom. So seek forgiveness. And be quick to forgive others. And what this is. Is a mark of. Of a believer. A true believer. Who has been forgiven of much. And who is ready to forgive others. Of much. I have never seen this picture. More clearly illustrated. Since this last year. Um, I am not going to talk about. Politics behind stuff. But just the facts of this. Case of the Botham Jean case. If you don't know what this is man. There was this guy living in an apartment in Dallas and a police officer went into the wrong apartment. She thought it was hers. That's the claims. And she shot and killed the guy in the apartment. It was not her home. It was his. And so there's justice, right? And so, man, you have this. This guy who actually led worship at one of the churches near where Brittany and I grew up the week before. And now he's dead. Unjustly dead. And this little guy right here, this young man, is his younger brother, the man who was killed. And this young man stood in the courtroom. And said, I forgive you, and pointed at this woman, this police officer. I forgive you. what you need is Jesus. My hope for you is that you will trust in Jesus. Oh my gosh, i can 't imagine if my sister was killed in this way, or one of my kids or my spouse or a friend, would I have The ability to stand in a courtroom and look at this killer in the eyes and release them because I've made a decision to trust God. And I don't know. I like to think I would. But sometimes we get hit by the sin of the world that spirals us out of control. But let me tell you something. This young man is free. That event that happened is not going to hold him in bondage. And what I know the will of God to be is that he desires me to be free. And so, church, we should be praying prayers of pardon. These things are hard things for us to seek. Because our hearts are deceitful. And we have an enemy who is seeking to devour us. And so, Jesus ends this prayer closes this prayer by giving us our last prayer of necessity to pray for protection. Because this mess is hard. Verse 13 tells it, says, says this, And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus brings to light the fact that we're in this spiritual war. And this is important for us to understand because we have our own misconceptions about what's going on around us. So what does the Bible clearly teach? Well, number one is that we cannot win this war apart from God. There's two fighting positions that we fight from, and that's in Christ or not in Christ, right? And for those who are in Christ, we have Jesus as our advocate. We have God on our side, and if you go to... The the end of the Bible here, it'll tell you how things play out. And the key word is victory. You can walk in victory. So what is Jesus asking us to do? Asking for praying and asking God to protect us for deliverance from the evil one. So here are the extremes we gotta be careful of regarding this spiritual war, right? One extreme is that we blame everything on the devil. You heard this, right? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do that. It was all the devil. That's wrong. Okay? Because the devil cannot make you do anything. Sure, he can tempt you. He can persuade you. He can deceive you. But you make a decision to sin. And we got to own our mistakes, right? Like, I used this in CR the other day. But like, we're... On a football field, right? And we take the snap to do to punt. And we take that football and we turn and we punt it in the bleachers. And everyone sees us do it. We have to own it, right? We can't just go, no, that didn't really happen. The devil made me do that. No, you punted it. You missed it. You missed the mark. And so you got to own what you got to own. So that's one extreme. And the other extreme... Would be a complete denial of the reality in which we live, and that there is the spiritual realm, that there are these spiritual forces at bay seeking to destroy me. That's our reality. And so, Jesus is going to give us this kind of like in the middle baseline that we have to stay with, that we can't lean in one way or the other. So, what do we do? We ask God for protection. For deliverance from evil and from the evil one, I was thinking about this. I was reading through some Psalms. Um, I like to call the Psalm, book of Psalms the mental health book of the Bible. So if you if you're struggling, like read a Psalm a day. There's a prescription for you. It Really help you out. I promise. So I was reading through the Psalms, and man, I just I just kept seeing that the people of God are referred to as sheep. Have you ever wondered why the children of God are referred to as sheep? I started asking myself this question, and based on my own heart, here's my answer. Because we're not very intelligent. Like, we need to be led to food and water and shelter. Because we're just going to, like, wander around, right? With no direction. We cannot do anything on our own. So, proud men out there, hear me. This is a reality for us. You cannot do anything on your own. The fact that you're breathing air right now is only because God provides the air to you. You'd be a, you would die immediately the minute that God stopped providing for you. Our reality is that we are sheep. And so what does this mean for the evil one, right? So I started, I started thinking about wolves. And so a wolf would stalk the sheep, right? Until he picks out the best one. Or the pack would try to get one to isolate. So the wolf is looking for the most isolated one. Maybe the youngest, maybe the weakest Maybe the strongest who's proud, and that's why they're on the, on the outskirts of the herd. And he's ready to devour this sheep. But, church, there's this thing that the wolf doesn't know, doesn't really realize, is that someone watches over the sheep. He carries the right weapons. And he has the tools to keep his sheep safe so long as they stay where they should be. God is our shepherd who is the only one that can deliver us from the evil one. He will lead you exactly where you should go. And Jesus reminds us that we must seek him. We must ask him for protection and delight in his presence. So the Lord's Prayer, the whole thing. It's our baseline for understanding God. Who He is, what He's doing, and what we need to ask for. So church, remember who you are in light of who He is. Put down your pride, your false sense of self-reliance. Put down the unforgiveness that would keep you enslaved. Cling to the Good Shepherd. And seek his face by asking him each day to take care of your physical needs. Ask him to forgive you as you realize your sins. That's the process of sanctification. The Holy Spirit, if he's within you, will convict you of sin and righteousness. And so when we learn of our sin, we should be quick to seek forgiveness. Be quick to forgive others because you have been forgiven and pray for protection because you are in a war whether you like it or not so here's my challenge to you this week this week look at your calendar and mark out a time for prayer pray god-centered prayers that highlight who god is Because I promise when you set before you who God is, it helps you helps remind you of who has you secure. Mark this time out and start praying your prayers of necessity. Pray for provision. Pray for pardon as you are convicted of sin or as you hurt someone else. Seek forgiveness from them and pray for protection. In church, your prayers should get specific. Like, I have this friend who says, uh, man, you got to pray dirty. You got to wake up in the morning. You got to pray dirty. You got to look at the scripture and you got to get on your knees because that is our need. I cannot be self-reliant. I cannot be a prideful man because I will get chewed up by the enemy if that is where I stand. And so pray dirty. Get in there and pray your prayers of necessity. Look at your heart. Examine your heart. Ask God to to reveal your heart to you. So that you can get on your knees and pray appropriately. And I would even encourage you to write these prayers down. So my family, my parents started this prayer ministry at their church. And this is something they've done recently. They started writing these prayers out. And then guess what? As God answers prayers, as he shows up in your life, it will remind you of who your father is and that he delights in you. He cares for you. He loves you. And so you can look back at your journals and you can go, wow, God. In that moment, I was struggling, but you delivered me. Keep a record of what God does in your heart, and in your life. Let's pray.